Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. How we apply the medicine of God. Hallelujah. When we become skilled in applying the medicine, it is... Uh, a, a benefit not only to us, but we will be uh, skilled to help other people know how to apply the medicine of God. And we are looking at the Word of God where in Proverbs chapter 4, it says that the Word of God is medicine to all of our flesh. Let's go ahead and read the whole text from 20 uh, down to verse 22 in Proverbs chapter 4. He said, my son, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. So the process for attending to the word is described for us here in these verses. He wants us to employ our eyes and employ our ears and make them busy or make them profitable in the word. That your eyes need to be soaking in the Word, the Word of God kept in front of your face, as well as your ears consistently tuned in to hear what He is saying. Now, to do that, you will have to take your ears away from some other things. Amen. You'll have to limit what other things have access to your eardrums and because your ears must be employed with the Word. Your ears must be connected to what God is saying. And if there are other things that are uh, um, clogging up or dulling down the ear, if, if, if there's information that is coming into your hearing that is causing a desensitization, a, a, and I might have just made that word up. I make words up in Spanish. Now I'm going to make some up in English today. It, it might desensitize. Your, your hearing so that you just become dull of hearing. We don't want to do that. We want to give God's word first place in, our, in what we're looking at and in what we're hearing because this is the process to get it into my heart. If you've ever had a Dakes Bible, if you've ever read any of uh, Finest Dakes reading, uh, uh, teachings, he talked about the ear and the eye as gates. Amen. He would say the ear gate and the eye gate. That's how you get into the heart. That these are gates or doorways or windows, that the ways of entry into the heart. Hallelujah. Well, if that's true, there are some things that I don't want in my heart. There are some things that will come to me by hearing. You know, faith comes by hearing, and that's a concept. That's a spiritual concept. That's a spiritual truth. You know, doubt can come by hearing. Worry can come by hearing. Fear can come by hearing. But, but faith comes by hearing God's word. Fear comes by hearing the word of the problem or hearing the word of the evil report or hearing the, the, uh, the, the word of, of danger. But faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So what you hear is not uh, unimportant. There's, there are no words that are unimportant. Because even words that are filler words are taking up space. When I say filler words, you know, there are some foods that are just filler foods. They don't really have a whole lot of nutrition in them. They'll just fill you up, right? And, and so some of that filler food, you know, it, 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 you, can, you can come home and eat the bag of Doritos and then when you sit down in front of your mashed potatoes and meatloaf and gravy and green beans, you're not even hungry because you're full of Doritos. <laughs> and there's no, no nutrition in those Doritos. But you're full of Doritos and now you're not going to eat 
what is nutritional that is set before you. Well, in the same way, if we allow the filler of the words or even words that have dangerous things in them, deceit, lies, um, uh, fear, worry, those things are going to negate the fear. They're going to cancel out the good that we're trying to sow into our heart. Amen? So he says, keep these words, keep them in the midst of your heart. Keep these words in the midst of your heart. How do I get them there? I'm looking into the word. I'm inclining my ear to the word. That's how I'm getting it into my heart. Now I've got to maintain them in my heart. I've got to continue to have them in my heart because they are life. This is why we need to have our heart guarded and maintained and kept because they are life. The Word of God is life unto all of those who hold them in their possession. The word find is a word that not just means to discover one time, but it means to discover and continue to hold in possession. So they are life unto those who have them in their possession. The word is health, and this word is also defined as medicine. The word is medicine to all their flesh. The word is medicine to the body. All their flesh would include your ligaments. The word is medicine to your ligaments. The word is medicine to your brain function. The word is medicine to your eardrums. The word is medicine to your joints. The word is medicine to your heart. The word is medicine to your blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The word is medicine. The word is spiritual medicine. Well, if it is a spiritual medicine, how do I apply it? How do I administer this medicine? Well, this gives us the base, the foundation for having this in our possession so that it can be administered. It says we've got to maintain the heart with a full measure of the word. We've got to guard the heart from anything that would cancel out the word. And, and when I'm talking about the heart, it makes me think of the proverb or the parable that Jesus taught that is such a key to our success in the kingdom. He said the parable of the sower, if you understand the parable of the sower, you will be able to understand all of the other parables about the kingdom that he gave us. And he said in the parable of the sower that the sower sowed the word and that they all heard it. All four types of ground heard the word that was sown. So how did it get sown into their ground? By the hearing. That's what we see here in Proverbs chapter 4. That, that inclining your ear to hear. Inclining your ear to hear. When it says, attend to my words, incline your ear to hear them, the word attend is most often translated as the word hearken. Well, that's an old English word that we don't use a lot in our society, and I really had a difficult time telling it in Spanish last night because I ministered on that word last night because it's really not in Spanish. Hearken, hearken. I mean, think about it, hearken. Do you use that today? Do you walk in the, and say to your wife, hearken to me, wife? <laughs> Brother Ralphie, is that how you talk to your wife? Do you say, hearken to me, wife? <laughs> Pastor Larry, do you come in and you say, Anna, hearken to me? <laughs> we don't use that word, do we? But that's this word, attend, is the same word, hearken. And in the definition in the original language, it means to hear with the intent to do. So it's more than just letting the sound go into my eardrums. It's more than just me hearing it because it's possible for you to hear something and not remember a thing you heard. It's, it's possible for us to hear it and it not register on our thinking, not register in a way that we remember it. But he said, hearken, attend. So this is a different hearing. This is a different hearing. And so years ago, before GPS 
was on our phones before we had phones that were so smart. Uh, I remember giving someone whom I'm married to an uh, instruction of how to go somewhere. I had been in the Kansas City area. My job had caused me to travel a lot in those early years of being in Kansas City. And so I knew my way around Kansas City, Missouri and Kansas City, Kansas. I knew the highway systems and I knew different places. He had mostly been over on the Kansas side and he needed to go somewhere over on the Missouri side and I was telling him how to get there. And as I was telling him, I could, I just, I knew he's not listening to me. He's listening, but he's not listening. You know, he's hearing me, but he's not hearing me. He's not hearkening. He does not intend to have to need this information. He thinks he's got it. I know. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Hallelujah. He, he does. He has. I tell you, he is quick to, to say, show me that again. Tell me that again. Repeat it. <laughs> so this was years ago. This is not how he is today. He's much wiser today. Uh, but in that moment, I knew he's not hearing me with the intent to have to need this information and follow through with what I'm telling him. And sure enough, he had to stop at a payphone and call and find out where did I miss the turn. And I said, I told you. I wanted to say, I told you. Hallelujah. But, you know, this is what God is endeavoring to convey when he uses this word attend, incline, don't let it depart. Attend, incline, don't let it depart. You're going to need this instruction. You're going to find yourself in the middle of your path and say, what was it he told me to do? What was that instruction he gave me? I know God gave me the wisdom on this. He says, hearken. He said, it's possible to have it in your heart so you can pull it up when you need it. Amen. It's possible. How does it, how does it become that? By the attention we give to it. Amen. By the attending. Another way to describe this word attend would be that Doberman pincher who hears something and both ears are up, right? Both ears are up. I'm listening, right? And they're pointing. Those ears are up and they're catching the information. They're catching the sounds. That's the way we need to train ourselves to hear the word of God. I'm, get my catchers on. Get my catchers on. I need to catch that. I need to, and why? Because I want that in my heart. I want to keep that. I want to maintain possession of that truth. Well, in the parable of the sower, all of them heard it, but only one of them kept it. All of them had the word sown into them, but only one ground maintained possession of the word until the word brought forth fruit. And the word of God is designed that it's not a magical microwave drive through result. Spiritual things are not magical. Spiritual things, there are, uh, there are processes in spiritual things. Just because a miracle can, can, can override time doesn't mean God's going to override time in every application. A miracle is something that overrides the processes of time. But miracles are not God's best for us. God would rather us become skilled in his processes and learn how to sow the word into the heart, maintain our heart so that we have access to that power, access to that that medicine, access to that that financial wisdom, access to these areas, uh, whatever area in your life you've been putting the word in your heart concerning, the way to draw it out, see, Matthew 12 refers to it as a treasure. The thing I've been treasuring in my heart. Then out of the good treasure, I can pull it. And I can only pull out what I put in. I can't pull out something I haven't put in there that I haven't 
put my catchers up to catch it, store it into my heart, maintain it in my heart, right? If I don't have it in my heart, how can I pull out of my heart? Out of the good treasure of the heart, a good man pulls out of the good treasure. So is medicine a good treasure? God's medicine? Is God's medicine a good treasure? Well, then we've got to store it in the heart because the only way to apply it is to pull it out of the heart. For me to take it off the page, I am at the beginning of the process. Now hear me, because it starts here. And we don't, we don't say that this is unimportant or invaluable, but this is the beginning of the process. This is like me standing at the gas pump putting the fuel in my car. I'm not in drive yet. I, it's not, that gas that's coming into the tank is not in the engine yet. For it to help my vehicle, it's got to come out of the gas pump, through the hose, into my tank, and then when it gets in the tank, it's going to be released through the valves and into the motor. And when it gets in the motor, that's when it's going to change and go through the process of combustion and provide me some power. And the word on the page is the, is the gas in the pump. I've got to pull it out of the page and through my eyes and my ears, the hose, I've got to deposit it into the tank and when it gets into the tank, I've got to let it go through the combustion where it's going to produce faith. And then, then, then it's going to come out of my mouth. And when it comes out of my mouth, out of a full heart, that's the kind of words that move mountains. It's got to have words filled with faith to move the mountains. It's not just words that move mountains. It's not just faith that moves mountains. It's faith-filled words that move mountains. Because you can have faith and keep your mouth shut and the mountain's not going to move. And you can speak words that are empty words, words that have a lot of hope in them but not very much faith in them. I know because I've spoken those kind of words before. And they came out of my mouth like a feather. And they just floated right down to the ground. They didn't go far at all. But I kept on quoting the word and, 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 and sticking it in my ears and sticking it in my eyes and putting the word in my heart, in my heart, in my heart until a full measure of faith came. And then when I opened my mouth, it came out with force. It came out with faith. It came out with power in my words. And I knew by the Spirit in that moment, I knew everything's about to change. And it did. Everything changed in our life. Hallelujah. And if you had told me if you had told me three weeks before that I wasn't in faith, I would, have, I, I would have argued with you. I thought I was in faith. I thought I had faith. I had all of the, the ingredients for faith. I had access to the faith. I knew how, to, how to, to work the faith, but I had not put it in the heart to a place where it would fill my words. When I put the word in my heart, this is, this is why faith is so easy. That's our part. Put the word in your heart and just guard it. Just get it full. Get your heart full and, and your, the, the faith will do the rest. It'll come out of your mouth. It will, it will overflow out of your mouth. When you get an overflow of faith, you're going to know it because your mouth is going to be full of faith. You can tell the level of faith you are in by the words that are coming out of your mouth. You can tell whether you are at the building block stage of faith if you're saying things, I believe God's going to do this for me. I believe God will. I believe God can. None of those have moved over into possession yet. When you become, uh, uh, when faith is putting it in your words, faith says, I have it now. Faith says, by his stripes, I am healed. I am the healed of the Lord. In, in the midst of the symptoms, in the midst of the pain, I am the healed of the Lord. The pain is an indicator whether I'm healed or not. The symptoms don't indicate to me whether I'm healed or not. They are not evidence of whether I'm healed or not. The evidence that I'm healed is right here in 1 Peter 2.24. 
And I put 1 Peter 2.24 in my heart to a place that it's going to now fill my mouth and now my mouth is going to get in line with what God has said about me. I am healed. I was healed when Jesus took the stripes on his back and that means I'm healed today. That means I'm healed before the symptoms change. I'm healed before I feel any different. I'm healed because he said I am healed. Hallelujah. And you're going to say it, and the saying with, when I say this, with faith-filled words, when you are releasing faith-filled words in the saying, that's what's going to activate the change in the circumstance. That's what's going to activate the change in the circumstance. So look at Romans. And, and this is, the, Romans 10 is my first text on my notes. So all of that was just uh, introduction. Because <laughs> I have two pages of notes here on, uh, and this is the first sex, right? <laughs> Romans chapter 10, verse 17. But actually, let's begin in verse, uh, let's begin in verse 6. The righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise or this way. The righteousness that faith produces. Of faith means faith, it comes from faith. It means it's built of faith. So, so faith will develop my understanding and my operation in the righteousness I am in Christ. I am made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because Jesus was made sin for me that I would be made righteous in Him. So I'm righteous now, but a lot of people aren't walking in it because they haven't allowed faith to develop their understanding of their righteousness. They haven't allowed faith to, to develop them in the operation of that righteousness. And I'm not going to go very much further into that because we did many, many weeks on our being in Christ and that's all available for free at the... Uh, uh, our righteousness in Christ and our being in Christ uh, at the media center. And there's a book as well, Redeemed and Righteous by Nature. But this righteousness comes from our faith. Our faith, faith is producing uh, an understanding and an ability to operate in this righteousness. And you can't really operate in righteousness without it. Amen. You can have it and it would be like, like my grandma who didn't know how to use her VCR. I mean, the VCR was there, and when any of the kids came in, they could run the VCR. Here's this VCR, or you could say a DVR nowadays, that has the capacity to, to record anything. It can play back all of these things. But if you don't know how to run it, then you can have it in your house, and it's just sitting there gathering dust in the house because you've got to know how to operate it. And righteousness is one of those things that we need to allow God's word to develop in us so that we can operate the righteousness that we are. When we begin to develop, it's going to affect our words because the righteousness that we are is going to grab a hold of our mouth and say, Tracy, don't say that. It's going to say, Wanda, this is what you need to say about your situation, right? It's going to grab it and say, no, 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 don't say that. You remember that in Jeremiah chapter 1, Jeremiah said, oh, behold, I am but a child. And God said, don't say that. Don't say that. There are some things that righteousness will instruct us not to say. And then it says, don't say in your heart. So now it's not just... This is righteousness, which is of faith, says to us, say not in your heart. So these are words that we're going to say and words that we say to ourselves. Say not in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above? Or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead? Don't say that. But what does righteousness say? Righteousness said the word is near me. In other words, if you've ever felt like praying, Jesus, if you would just come into my room and lay hands on my head, I'd feel better. If you would just come to my bedside, Lord, and if you put your hands on me, I'd feel better. No, it says you don't have to say that. Righteousness is going to tell you the word is near you. 
I am the righteousness of God in Christ. His word works in me. He has given me his word. The word is near you. Where is it? Even in your mouth and in your heart. Now, a lot of times we may be inclined to say in your heart and in your mouth. But the scripture says in your mouth and in your heart. In your mouth and in your heart. Because one of the greatest ways for you to get it into your heart is to speak it. Remember, it's voice activated. Remember, the parable of the sower said the sower sowed the word. How did it get into their heart? They all heard. And you don't have to wait for me to preach a message on the subject you need to grow in. You can get your scriptures out and speak them to yourself and deposit them in your own heart. Amen? Amen. And so the word is in your mouth and in your heart. The word is in your mouth and in your heart, the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth, again, he's putting the mouth, If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord or the Lordship of Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. There is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word saved that we've seen here in verse 10, uh, 9 and 10, and here in verse 13, is a word that in its definition means deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, and soundness. I'll repeat that for those of you who are writing that down. Deliverance, deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, and soundness. Healing and soundness. So it is a word very similar to the Hebrew word shalom. The Greek word is the word soteria, S-O-T-E-R-I-A. And they are very similar because in the Hebrew, the word shalom meant nothing missing, nothing broken, the peace that comes from being made complete, made whole. So we see that when this begins to have this salvation at work in our life, it's not something that just occurs the day we receive Jesus as Lord. But instead, that salvation continues to be present and active and available. And the way to access it is to believe with the heart and to utilize the mouth. The believing of the heart and the speaking of the mouth is how you access safety, how you access deliverance, how you access restoration, how you access soundness. This is financial soundness, physical soundness, soundness in your marriage, all of those things, the process is heart and mouth, mouth and heart, heart and mouth. That is the spiritual application. So God's word is spiritual medicine. And to apply spiritual medicine, you have to use the mouth because the mouth is the hand of the spirit. Death and life are in the hand of of the tongue, the power of the tongue. The word power in the Hebrew is the word hand. Death and life are in the hand, so your spirit has a hand and it's not connected to your arms. Your spirit has a hand and it's right here in your face, your mouth. This is the hand of the spirit. So that if you want to receive Jesus as Lord, how do you receive Jesus as Lord? You take him with the hand of your mouth and you say, I confess Jesus is Lord of my life. I have just taken him. I have received him with my spiritual hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So how do you receive healing? With your hand. With your hand. How do you take medicine, spiritual medicine? With your hand. Father, I thank you that according to Isaiah chapter 53, 
Surely he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement necessary to obtain my peace was laid upon him. And by his stripes I am healed. I take it, Lord. I receive it with my hand. I take with my hand that spiritual medicine and I receive it into my life. Hallelujah. So your, your mouth, Jesus, you know, it describes his triumphant return on the white horse in the book of Revelation. Do you remember ever reading that in the scripture? It talks about Jesus coming back and it says that on his vesture is written on that, that banner across him, the word of God. And then it says he has a sword. Does it say his sword is on his side in a scabbard? Where's the sword described in the book of Revelation? Jesus is on the horse and he's got his sword, but it's coming out of his mouth. Because that's where your sword is too. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, Ephesians 6, talking about the armor of God. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So I can't take it. This, this is not the sword of the Spirit. This is not the sword of the Spirit yet. This is the Logos. The word used in Ephesians 6 is the word rhema. Taking the rhema, the sword of the Spirit is the word that's in my mouth. This will produce the word, the sword of the Spirit, but on the page, it's not in the form yet to help you resist the devil. You've got to take it off the page and put it in your heart so that you can pull it up out of your mouth like a sword and when you speak it out of your mouth, if you just take up this page and you try to lay this page on somebody's body, to make them get healed, this page doesn't have any power to heal their body. But if you'll take the word and hide it in your heart and then you walk up into their hospital room and you say, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by his stripes you are healed, be healed, and you just, just, just cut that sickness right off their life with the sword of the Spirit. Out of your mouth, now it's rhema. Now there's, now there's, there's a, a spirit life not in the Logos, in the Rhema. Jesus said, John 6, verse 63, My words are spirit. They are life. Death and life are in the hand of the tongue. Death and life are in the hand. Jesus said, My words are spirit and they are life. So I can speak life to my bloodstream. I can speak life to my joints. I can speak life to my eyesight. I can speak life to my bones. I can speak life to my marriage. I can speak life to my finances. I can speak life. And when I do, I am applying God's medicine. Spiritual application. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we see that salvation, salvation is connected to the heart and the mouth received even with the spiritual action of the heart believing and the spiritual action of the mouth declaring or confessing. Hallelujah. And so when he comes to uh, this description in chapter, uh, chapter 10, verse 13 of, of how this process works, he begins at the end result and he backs us up and begins to show us how we got to this end result. So the end result is, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the end result. So back up and take it a step. What happened before that step? What happened before that step? How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? So they came to a place of believing. Back up one more step. How shall they believe in him of whom they had not heard. So they had to hear the word to come to the place of believing that would lead them to the action of declaring or calling on the name of the Lord. Right? With the heart man believes unto the righteous. With mouth confession is made unto salvation. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But they had to believe first. And in order for them to believe, they had to hear it first. And how shall they hear without a preacher... Or somebody, and again, 
this is not limited to you having to get it from a sermon. If you will declare it to yourself, you can, there are some things you can deposit right into your life. Yeah. Amen? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Hallelujah. So it begins with that the one who receives the word and goes out and begins to declare it. And then it is heard. And then a believing follows. And then because of that believing, they call on the name of the Lord and they receive the salvation. So he goes on here in verse 17. He said, so then. Well, so then is just going back and saying, because of how this process, this process works, so then faith. And if you pull that word come out, because it's not there in the original. So let's just pull it out for a minute. It's not hurting us to, to think of it that way, but it, it won't hurt us to pull it out for a moment either. Faith by hearing. So then faith by hearing. Doesn't that make it easy? I'm telling you, faith is easy. Faith is not hard. Faith that people make it hard because it's different. And, and you, it's not the way of the flesh. Because the way of the flesh, the way of the flesh makes all spiritual activity hard. Because the way of the flesh, I want to feel it, I want to know it, I want to see it, I want this, I, I, I want, I want, you know, you know, the the way some but the way of the spirit is joy and peace. The kingdom of God, joy and peace in believing. Hallelujah. Righteousness, joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So faith is not hard. Faith is by hearing. Faith is by hearing. So the, the pressure of you trying to, to, to make yourself believe is unnecessary. All you're under the obligation to do is to hear. Hear and maintain that hearing. Hear it and keep it. Hear it and continue. Continue in my word, Jesus said. You'll continue in my word and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. If, if my word abides in you and you abide in my word, right? That abiding, that's the attending to the word. So he says, faith by hearing and hearing by the rhema, the word of God, the spoken word of God, because faith is voice activated. Faith is voice activated. It's when we say it that it takes it out of it, that, that written form and into a living form because I've just given it breath. There's no breath in this page. But if I'll put it in my mouth and my mouth belongs to God, this is God's mouth right here. Yours is too, right? Are you bought with the price? Did the blood per... Well, then your mouth is God's mouth. And God said, my word will not return unto me void. It will come out of my mouth and go what I sent it to do. It'll go do what I sent it to do. And so if it comes out of Wanda's mouth, it's God's word out of God's mouth that he purchased in Wanda. And it's going to do what God sent it to do when Wanda speaks it. He wants us to have that same confidence that he has in Isaiah 55. 9, 10, and 11, when he said, my word will not return unto me void, he wants us to have that same certainty. God's word won't return unto me void. When I speak it, it's going to do what I sent it to do. Why? Because God's word never fails. God's word, God's word is full of power. Every word of God is full of power. Every word of God is living and active. It's active. And so when I speak 1 Peter 2.24 over my body, it is actively working in me. Amen? Hallelujah. So can, can somebody get saved because they've heard the word? Can somebody get saved? I'm talking about one of the greatest transformations in our life for us to come out of death, spiritual death, and into life. Can a person get saved just by hearing the word. Can they? Let's look at Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, verse 13 and 14. Acts 11, 13. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house which stood up and said to him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words whereby you and all your house shall be saved. Words 
that by hearing these words, you and your household shall be saved, brought out of darkness into the light, brought out of spiritual death into spiritual light. Why? By hearing words. Well, if our spirits can be born again by hearing words, can our bodies be healed by hearing words? Can our bodies be healed by hearing words? Well, let's look at Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14, and let's look at verse 7. And there they preached the gospel. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. You know, in the same way that we read over the offering, Ephesians chapter 3, how that the Holy Spirit wanted to convey something and he stacked it with three different powerful words to describe what God was able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all. Well, the Holy Spirit is identifying with these three declarations how difficult this situation was for this man. Notice it says, he was impotent in his feet. He had no ability, lacking any ability in his feet. He was a cripple from his mother's womb who never had walked. You see that three of them back to back, stacking up the information to show you this man had never walked. This man had always been crippled. This man had always been in a position where he was lacking ability in his feet. Is there anything that, that, that you could look at that and say, oh, well, there, this, oh, that was just by chance that he got healed. That was, that was just, you know, that, that, that was just, that wasn't a very big thing. No, for him to experience a change, it had to be a significant change. Amen? It says, the same heard Paul speak. What did verse 7 say they were speaking? It says they preached the gospel. So Paul wasn't talking about what he had for breakfast. Paul wasn't talking about, you know, the latest sale going on down at the market. He heard Paul speaking the word of God. He heard the gospel that was being preached. How shall they hear except it be preached? And what happens after the hearing? The believing. And what happens after the believing? The salvation comes. Amen? It says this man heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. Paul looked at this man, beheld him, looked at him and said, I perceive you've got faith to be healed. And so Paul said with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And this man who was impotent in his feet, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked, this man leaped, leaped, yeah. leaped, didn't stagger, didn't crawl around for 15 minutes. He leaped. He leaped. He didn't drag himself across the floor. He leaped. He leaped. He jumped up and began leaping and walking. Leaping and walking. Hallelujah. So if men in Cornelius' house and anywhere else who hear the word preached can be saved, this man heard the word preached and was healed. It wasn't... Paul's faith that healed him. It doesn't say Paul had faith for this man to be healed. It wasn't Paul, the anointing on Paul's ministry that healed this man. It was faith in the word that was preached that this man became sound, saved, soundness, delivered from this ailment sickness, infirmity, delivered from this condition, liberated from it. 
Hallelujah. How did he receive this healing? God's medicine. God's medicine. God's medicine was applied. And it was applied by it being preached. And as it was preached, he believed on it. He heard it, he believed, and he received. He heard it, he believed, and he received. No hands were laid on him. Anointing wasn't transferred to him. Praise God that that is possible for us to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's possible for us to administer healing anointing. It's possible for a gift of the Spirit, gifts of healings to be in operation. But this man received just by the hearing. Hallelujah. So Paul did three things. Paul did three things. And, and for all of us who have the privilege of being ministers of the Word of God, put your catchers on. He did three things. He preached the gospel. He perceived the man had faith to be healed. Now see, he had to be perceptive to the Spirit. He had to be in tune because the Spirit evidently pointed out he perceived it. He, he, he was preaching, minding his own business, just preaching, right? And he, and, and something, oh, I see that. Yeah, I see that, Lord. I see that. He perceived that the man had faith. And so as ministers, when we're preaching the gospel, we need to be aware the reason we're preaching is for the receiving. The reason we're preaching it is for the receiving. And we want to recognize as the receiving begins to take place and not just rush past it. Not just miss that moment. See, this man had faith, but this man hadn't released his faith. You know, he was sitting there with faith to be healed. He was sitting there, not experiencing his healing, but he had faith to be healed. Selah. Pause and think on that for a minute. Think about it. I wonder if, if the Holy Spirit could come and do a faith analysis on our heart. How many of us have faith to be out of debt, but we haven't acted on it yet? How many of us have faith for what you just fill in the blank, but we haven't acted on it yet? We've heard the word. Faith has come. But, but you see, he had faith to be healed, but he wasn't healed yet. He hadn't acted on it. Hmm. Paul preached the gospel. He perceived that the man had faith to be healed. And then he gave the man an instruction to act on. He told the man to stand up and walk. He gave him a faith command. Stand up and walk. The man did three things. The man did three things. The man heard Paul preach. He had faith to be healed. And then he acted on it. He leaped and walked. That's how easy it is. He heard the word preached. Then faith came. And when faith came, thanks to the man of God, he acted on it. Hallelujah. He acted on it. That's, that's how simple God has made it. Why? Because he put healing in the word. He put healing in the word so that if you need it, you, you've got it. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all destruction. Healing is in the word. And so if I'll hear it, hearken, if I'll hear it, I'll attend to it until I have a full measure in my heart and then I'll act on it. And, and for us, one of the greatest ways to act on it is with the speaking. There are some things that, that just thank you is the only thing we can do at that moment. Thank you, Lord. I have it now. Thank you, I have it now. Brother Hagen was, was, had been meditating for weeks and months on Mark 11, 23, 24. He had come to the point where he said, Lord, you're telling me if you stood by my bed today and told me that I don't have faith, that I'm not working faith, I'd have to tell you you're wrong. I, Lord, I'm, I, I have faith, I believe you. And the Lord said, you're believing with all that you know. And he took him back. The Holy Spirit pointed out to him, if you, when you believe that you receive, when you pray, believe that you receive. When you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have. And he said, the lights came on. The understanding came to him. And he said, oh, 
you're telling me I need to believe I have it while my heart is still skipping a beat in my chest. You mean to tell me I have to believe I have it while I still am blacking out because of my blood disease. You mean I have to believe I receive it while I'm still paralyzed from the, from the shoulders down. I have to believe I receive it even though there's no evidence that I have it because if I believe I receive it, then I'll have the having will come after I believe and receive. So he took it into his possession before he had any feeling of it in his possession. How did he do that? He took it into his spirit and said, I am healed now. And the only thing he could do at that moment was to say, thank you, Lord, that I'm healed of this blood disease. Thank you, Lord, that I'm healed of this heart condition. And he meditated on that. He just sat there for a few days saying, thank you, Lord, that I'm healed of this heart condition. Thank you, Lord, that I'm healed. Thank you, Lord, that I'm healed. Thank you, Lord, that I'm healed. He just, that was all he had at the moment to act on the word was giving thanks for the healing. And it came to a place where the Holy Spirit said, why would a healed man still be in bed at this time of the day? And he grabbed a hold of the bedpost and he threw his body off. And he said the moment that he threw, he's hanging on to the bedpost with his hands, with his arms. And from the waist down, he's paralyzed. And he said all of a sudden, the pain felt so good because pins and needles as the, all of the feeling came back into my legs. And he said it hurt so bad and felt so good. Hallelujah. He, he got up. But do you see where it started? It started with him receiving it spiritually before it manifested physically. Nineteen forty-seven through the fifties, there was a move, supernatural wave of healing miracles that took over this country. There are many ministries that that experienced the power of God, and in hearing their testimonies, they would say, "We didn't even have to try to get people healed. It was what God was doing." We just began to sing. We just began to minister. Healing started occurring. And many people God raised up with healing anointings who were significant and used by God in healing ministries. Oral Roberts, one of the greatest uh, healing evangelists of that day. Uh, different ones. Amy Simple McPherson. I mean, wheelchairs emptied out. I've seen pictures of after her crusades, the wheelchairs that filled the parking lot because people left them behind. I mean, they had to hire trucks to come take away the wheelchairs and the walkers and the braces and the crutches that people left on the, the fields because that's what God was doing. Brother Hagen's ministry was during that time. Just when he began to go out on the field was during that time. And of course, here he is who has experienced this healing in his own life in a supernatural way. And he said, the Lord never directed him to go into the tents like all of the other healing evangelists were doing. He said, I wasn't against that. I fellowshiped with many of them. But that's not how God directed me. People would even come to him and say, thus saith the Lord, God's telling you to get a tent. And he said, but here in my spirit, God never gave me liberty to do that. And so I stayed in the local churches. And he said, but I began to recognize as I would travel to different churches, the pastors would be perplexed. They came to me and they said, we had a healing crusade in our city about six months ago. And my people went and they got healed. But now some of them are starting to lose their healings. Now I thought, what? What? How can you lose your healing? But Brother Hagen began to ex explain. He said they received their healings because of an anointing on that ministry, because of a gift of healing that was operating in that ministry. And they did not develop their faith to maintain their healing. 
And so when the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, that he said, I went to one place, and they, he, he gives different examples, and we have a mini book that I encourage you, if you do not have this in your library, it's a little $2 mini book in our library out here in our bookstore, and it's called How to Keep Your Healing. And he talks about in there how he would say, he would tell the pastors, tell all the people to come to the services where I'm teaching, to the day services. And you know, if you really investigate it, even those ministries in those tents, they didn't have one night meetings and then they were gone. A lot of them had week-long meetings and they would make you get a healing card on day one and they didn't pray for you till the end of the week because they wanted you to sit under the word and hear the word preached before you released your faith because it's not just about the hands being laid on you because if people get hands laid on them and then they don't, they don't walk away from that moment saying, hands were laid on me. So therefore I'm healed because Jesus said, if I get hands laid on me, that I shall recover. You see, there has to be on the part of the recipient a receiving of it. A, a willingness to, to, to stand in line with the word and not in line with the symptom. If we, if we agree with the symptom, who are we not agreeing with? The word. And the word is what contains the medicine. So if I agree with the symptom and say, well, I guess I'm not healed. I had hands on me, so I guess I'm not healed. Who is disagreeing with the word that contains the medicine, so now it's not going to work for me? Receiving it, if I say I don't feel healed, because my feelings are not the evidence that I'm healed. My symptoms, there or not there. Yeah. Christ the healer says, it's not your uh, faith on if you feel better after prayer. Because that means nothing. <laughs> feel better or don't feel better means absolutely nothing. I'm healed no matter how I feel. You see, that'll help us. That'll help us. Hallelujah. And so Brother Hagen would have these people in these churches and he said generally by the end of two weeks they would come to me and say, I don't even need for you to lay hands on me. I already got it back. They got it back by the hearing of the word because they began to see that it was mine. The enemy came in and tried to take it from me. Hallelujah. So while we are grateful and we are willing in whatever fashion if it's hands being laid on us if it's a application of the anointing if it is a i say application laying on of hands to transfer that anointing laying on of the prayer of faith uh, uh the the gifts of healings whatever way a healing comes to me i'm gonna have to maintain it so that means it would benefit us all please don't wait until a sickness attacks your body to put some healing medicine in your spirit. Put it in your spirit continually. Maintain a faith for, for healing continually so that if sickness tries to come, you can resist it easily. Hallelujah. All right, I'm going to press pause. And if you'll come back tonight, I'll take the pause button off. And we'll talk about the healing anointing tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, we respect your word. Would you just lift your hands right now and say this with me? Father, I respect your word. I want a greater honor for the word in my life. So I'm going to listen. I'm going to look. I'm going to attend and I'm going to receive from your word in, a, in a, a way of honor. Your word is life and health to all my flesh, to my marriage, to my finances, to my home. I thank you that your word governs me in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, if the word is governing, 
if it's governing, if it's in a position where it is directing, where the word is not just leading you, not just blessing you, but it is correcting you, it is correcting the words of your mouth, correcting the things that you're watching, the word speaking to you and telling you that will allow the, the word of God to position you. If the word is in the right position, it'll help you get in the right position to receive. Amen?